We are back with the seventh episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm incredibly excited to have the legend that is Glenn Irwin is here for today. So for anyone that doesn't know, Glenn Irwin has won the Northwest, which is a famous race in this country, seven times if I'm right in saying, and he was the fastest newcomer at the Isle of Man TT, and he races for or in the, the British Superbike. So yeah, incredibly excited to have you, mate. Thank Thanks you. For Thanks for having me down, mate. Yeah, and apologies, it took a few weeks to get me here. Yeah. Surprisingly, Glenn was a little bit late down. I thought he would have been a bit quicker down the road, uh, you know, being a motorbike rider and things, but uh, he's made it anyway. So yeah, I suppose, mate, give us a little bit of an introduction into, I suppose, as interesting, we had an event recently and we were kind of, we were running through, like, who you would introduce yourself as if you weren't a motorbike rider? Because often, like, people attach their identity and what they do. So I suppose if you were to do introduction, but not as a motorbike rider, what would you say? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Glenn. Um, I'm absolutely bonkers mad. A father of three kids and uh, yeah, you know, blessed and very grateful for, for, for what I have. Um, commonly known, obviously, as a, a motorbike rider. You know, most people that contact me on social media, it's because of that. And people that say hello to me on Asda, it's because yeah. uh, they watch motorbikes. So yeah, that's uh, it's yeah, quite interesting to hear what they got. You know, I've never thought of introducing myself as not not the bike rider, but yeah, I'm a normal person, humble, normal background, um, parents from very normal background and worked my absolute ass off, put everything into, you know, achieving what I've want, what I've wanted and want to continue to achieve and have carved out a, a great career for myself and my family. And yeah, it's uh, it's brilliant. Big time. And was that always what you wanted to do when you were growing up? Yeah, um, you know, I, I can't even remember ever wanting to be anything you know maybe academical yeah um, i remember a careers teacher coming into school so i went to learn grammar and we all had to go out you know maybe it was fourth year for five minutes with this uh lady or man i can't remember who it was and uh when they called me out um at this time i was actually racing motocross so we, we grew up in the dirt bikes as most people do and i thought uh well i said what do you want to do and Told her what I wanted to be, and that was a, a motorbike rider, and uh, that didn't go down well. Um, so I got an after-school detention for <laughs> for for not taking a guest of the school serious. Yeah. Um, thankfully, it didn't deter me, and I stuck by my guns. And the school have since had me back in. Um, you know, I I must say I probably was a bit of a character in school. Yeah. So when uh, the character is telling a careers person that I isn't interested in anything that she can offer him maybe there was a bit of substance behind yeah. that so uh, yeah you know it's all part of my script but i always just wanted to yeah. do this and tell me more about the crossover between like motocross to then riding a motorbike is there similarities or is it very different there is i guess uh two wheels is the biggest one and yeah. um, you know it's not like you're going from cars to bikes uh handlebars you know, you're in a similar position as such um but basically my younger brother graham uh he went on to become a the I think he's Northern Ireland's only British MX1 champion. I'm not sure if Gordon, Gordon Crockard may have won it. So I may be wrong in yeah. saying that, but he definitely became the best rider of, of our generation. Um, and he was a couple of years younger than me. So I knew that from an early stage, Graham was always dominant and doing so well in British Championship. I was doing well, but not not well. You need to stand out to make a career. And yeah. um, somebody... Uh, an old mechanic of Joey Dunlop's, uh, Lexi Kerr, um, he actually comes and watches us race every week now, which is really wow. cool. He said, like, why why did none of his like, 
people you know, people always say, why wouldn't you follow in your dad's footsteps? And he done tarmac racing, like uh, like superbikes. So we, I said to dad, and dad rang Lexi, and Lexi sorted a bike out, and I went to Kirkston, which is a, a local track over here, and oh, it was amazing. Like you, when you do something in life, uh, you know whether I presume you found it, and if you haven't, you'll 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 so you'll know what I'm talking about. But I was on this bike literally thirty seconds, and I knew there and then that this was it. Yeah. This was it. Yeah. It just felt so natural. Yeah, and it's that just kind of immediate thing, right? This is my passion, and yeah. you're in a position where it, it's not work for you, really. No. You know, it's it's there's a lot of work in it, but it's not like work sounds like a chore word, doesn't it? So yeah. I put a lot of hours, you know, maybe more hours into this and what you can do in a nine to five. You know, it's probably twenty four hours because I think I think about it when I'm dreaming. It's about bikes and racing and whatever. So it is. Uh, it takes every hour of your day, but. And, and, and there's obviously elements that you maybe don't enjoy as much. I know you're big into your training and stuff, but is there anything that you kind of find like, uh, you know, obviously being on the bike is really enjoyable, but outside of that, is there anything that you don't really love as much? Good question. Uh, you know, I, I guess many people can answer that with uh, the PR, or the media, you know, time with the fans. Um, but I'm a talker, um, which is uh, God love uh, cameraman here today because I hope your batteries are well charged. <laughs> God love my next appointment as well. Don't know if I'll be, you know, can be an hour late here. But uh, I, enjoy, I enjoy talking about, like, if you find your passion, you can talk about it all day. Yeah. And when people follow that passion, it's uh, really, you know, it's really nice to talk to them about it and meet people. So no, honestly, there's nothing losing races or something, but that's part of it. So I'm not going to get hung up on that either. Yeah. And was there anyone that inspired you from the start? Obviously, you talked about that guy there yeah yeah so obviously my dad for sure um because he he raced with with joey dunlop he, my dad's actually the most successful rider on short circuit and roads combined Class. yeah and he's uh, quite well he's very humble and certainly doesn't uh be telling everyone his career you know on maybe in a tabloid point of view and um, everyone that is in the industry very much knows who he is so that was our upbringing um it's very much in the blood um he gave us all the opportunities but then the likes of Lexi for organising that first bike. Uh, there's been many people along the way have helped out, but I think when you grow up and you start to find your passion, you follow it on TV. And I've grew up in an era where Jonathan Ray, you know, I went to school with him. He's a few years older, but we motocross together from, you know, we were kids. We were out in the, the back gardens, the back fields uh, every Sunday. And to go on and watch the career he has also carved and the Laverty brothers from Tomb as well. And, there's been so many people that are just like that six, seven, eight years older than me um, that I've always, uh, they set the benchmark for my generation and I hope uh, I'm doing that for the lads that are sort of that school year behind me. So. No, we definitely are. And I suppose with being a professional athlete, there's always challenges because people see you and see you in, on the podium and doing incredibly well and they see that as like, oh, this is an overnight success. He's just... You just kind of managed this and got to this point. But when you think about the challenges up to now, is there one that stands out as the biggest challenge in your career? For sure there is. You'll have uh, you'll have the mini challenges, you know, that you'll have on every weekend where you may have a session that goes not so good or a race that goes not so good, but you need to bounce back two hours later. That, that That's normal. You have them every round. But in terms of a tough period was probably 
2019, so I signed for Kawasaki. Um, they had just won the championship at the end of 18. Um, you know, I tested with them at the end of 18 and it felt, the bike felt great. A new bike came out in 19. The team were also folding at the end of the year where I joined them and business-wise, would you invest everything into something knowing you're stopping it at the end of the year? And I don't think you need to be a brain surgeon to answer that question. So in hindsight, was probably the wrong move. At the same time, private life wasn't great. You know, maybe I was seeking something in the wrong way that racing wasn't giving me. You know, I certainly was doing not bad things, but things that weren't uh, weren't good for me, um, whether you were an athlete or not. Um, and they were taking a lot of time, focus, causing me a bit of a uh, well, a lot of a lot of misery. So I kind of hit like a rock bottom in that year. Um, I I weirdly lost like the eyesight in my left eye. It is back, by the way. Yeah. Just think he's doing alright well now. <laughs> um, and uh, I had to leave the team. I couldn't turn up for a race like that, so we agreed to split. Um, Tyco, uh, sorry, Tass Racing here from over here. It's now the Synetic BMW team. They gave me an opportunity and. It was funny because it was mid-season and at the same time I was addressing a lot of stuff personally that was going wrong and it was like, right, this has to be, I can't continue doing that, I can't continue riding for this team because I'm finishing like, you know, 9th, 10th at best, sometimes in qualifying, 20th and now I can't even see and that was caused by what I was doing. Uh, indirectly, it was a stress related yeah. is what they put it down to. So. I, uh, I turned up at Thruxton, um, which is actually my next race uh, this year, but um, I, I still couldn't see. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be better. You know, I thought I'll give it a week or two. And I was replacing uh, Keith Farmer, who we know we've since lost tragically last year. He was injured at the time and uh, I filled in. So I rang Philip, the team boss, on the Thursday and I said, Philip, I, I can't see. And he was like, don't worry about it. There's no pressure on you this weekend. Just go out and enjoy it. And I was like, no, I can't see him. Like, I'm cl if I close my right eye, like, if I looked at you, you would disappear because there was fluid in the center of my eye. And he's like, no, don't, don't worry. I'm going, oh my, oh my word. Well, I went out in the first session and I was like fifth. And I, I genuinely, I tried to ride one eye patch and I pit it after a lap. It was bananas. I should never have been doing it. And I took the eye patch off and I, off we went. And it was a really great weekend because instantly I had a smile on my face with racing again. I've just read something that I had no testing, no practice, never read for the team, never read the manufacturer before. I was really not fit. Mentally, I was uh, at the bottom, but starting to climb. And, but we were fast and that was very, very refreshing. And from then, thankfully, my career has only went up. And now, like I practice... You know, many, I'm certainly, I feel in a great place now. I practice mindfulness, you know, pretty much daily. I journal yeah. a lot. I practice gratitude. I think it's the most important, you know, tool in life this year, especially. I would feel about it in a lot. And yeah, you, the good times keep going and you can always remember the, the hard times. So 19 was tough. 19 was really, really yeah. tough. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I think for everyone listening to this, the lesson there is like with your biggest breakdowns, you'll have your biggest breakthroughs. And and we always tell our clients, it's like when you're going through a challenge, take more from the challenge than it takes from you. So you were going through the challenge and you essentially took more from it than it took from you. Yeah, yeah of course, it, it took your eyesight for a period of time, but then you got back and you got back to your best and you're 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 on that rise again. Because it's interesting, once you're, you're kind of down there, you feel like there's no way out and it feels like there's a mountain to climb. Uh, 
You're you thinking know, career change, everything, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And there's so there's so many conflicting thoughts that go on between your two years, but then you get on to that rise again, and you you kind of build momentum, and it changes everything. And that was just like how long did that race last? Yeah, like, it was a yeah. space of like not long. I look back, and it is like a it is a blink. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, at the time, if as you say, you festered it and you overthought it, and it was terrible. Once you address, uh, you know, there will be people listening to this that will have had a tougher time, and. You know, I certainly don't talk uh, now about it like um, in, how would I say it, in a depressive way, but I have been through them tough yeah. tough times um, and anyone can, and it can be something you're doing, it can be your career, like don't be afraid to make a change, but never give up in a way that's not, not an option. I love that, and, and that's the thing, people put people like Glenn on a pedestal and they see them at the, the top of their game and doing amazing things and they think there's never been struggles, there's never been challenge and, and I appreciate you sharing that because people, sometimes people look up to people loads and they actually take their best lessons when they've been vulnerable, they've been open, they've been honest and I know I've had coaches, mentors, support systems in the past and they've maybe always been like giving me great advice and always at the top of their game and I feel like they're always perfect but when they've shared something like that Aye. it's like oh right they're actually a human being Aye. you know yeah they're they're a superstar in what they do and they're amazing but equally they still have challenge so yeah when we think about you've obviously raced loads of different tracks is there a biggest crowd that you've ever raced out raced at that you can kind of think about um it's Probably the Northwest 200. Uh, I know like Bray Superbikes now is getting you know upwards of 60,000 people. I think Donington this year was over 60,000. Oh, yeah. And you knew it because when you went from your motorhome, yeah, you see it trackside and it's really cool there. But uh, going from the motorhome to the pit guards and we're on our scooters and you're trying to not, not you're trying to knock people down and, and you hear Glenn. And I, I don't ever want to be that person where you ignore people and you stop and sign something. And you're like, oh, now I'm like, it's, it's like seagulls around an ice cream Big time. And, uh, and I don't mean that bad at all because I, racing would be terrible without fans so it's it's getting more and more popular um, but the Northwest 200 I'm the local lad there as such uh, really grateful to be on this uh, win streak of uh, we had to work it out I didn't know you told yeah. me it but it's, it's seven it is seven Wikipedia is telling me lies or else Lauren's brothers tell me lies Wikipedia knows the future yeah. Wikipedia knows the future so it will be after race one next year love it. Well. Love it. Um, but yeah it, it, it's amazing um, you know track is nine miles I think uh, I think seven or nine something like that um, from some great experiences like where I've been really really uh, fortunate to have a great lead in the last lap maybe not as exciting for the crowd because the race has kind of decided but getting to York Corner which is like basically if you've ever been to Port Stewart where Amici restaurant is yeah. we turn left and head to Korean um, and you're doing like 20 mile an hour at that point and you can you can hear the clapping you can't yeah. hear it and from I get to there till the finish line I describe it like a Mexican wave because you know you're getting to new people the whole way around and they're all like <laughs> it's unbelievable it, it honestly the first win was amazing and the seventh win was the same amazing you know, it's it never ever ever loses its uh appeal like jeremy mcwilliams he's 59 he's still racing there he's a bloody legend and he always says like he done grand prix he won grand prix races he podiumed in moto gp along the day that valentino rossi won his first uh, race jeremy jeremy should have won that probably but he was on the podium and he said standing on the winning step at the Northwest 200, it was a better feeling. You're you're local, I guess. It's like the boys, like uh, at Windsor Park. I'm a huge football fan, and 
you know, there is no better. I know it's been a bit tough lately, but, you know, again, like we've spoke about, the good times have come back around and that's just how it goes. You know, when you score at Windsor in front of the packed house and it's just, it's better, isn't it, than yeah. being anywhere else. So, yeah, racing locally at home, Northwest 200, it's class. TT yeah. obviously gets a huge crowd, you know, yeah. huge, huge crowd, but Northwest was electric. And when you're racing in front of a crowd like that, because you're the local guy do you feel under pressure more so than what you would in the british superbikes i feel it gives me something um i remember working with a sports psychologist in the past and i i used to always say to him i need to feel in british superbike like i feel at the northwest like uh, i'm creating a difference somewhere and it's no longer like that um you know i'm again grateful that of many of the people across the water in england you know are running around in my merchandise and supporting me so yeah, that's uh, that's came with time again. You know, things do come with time. So, yeah, there there was that. Like, there was never pressure, and there still isn't pressure at the Northwest. I think other people will see. There's always expectation, you know, and there's a difference between pressure and expectation because I also expect what everyone else expects. Um, it's not like I don't expect to win, but you're saying I'm going to win, or you expect me to win. That's them when there's pressure because you'll be like. I can't do it. Yeah. But nah, you you could say you put enough pressure on yourself, but nah, I, I believe. Yeah. I expect myself to win. And, and I, th I think like there's different forms of pressure as yeah. well, as in like you'd said there, there's that internal pressure that you create yourself and then there's pressure from other people coming yeah. in. So sometimes the pressure that we put ourselves under is more than anyone can <laughs> it's ever. Worse. Yeah, you got to manage that. Like uh, if you think about it, so I race for a race team that... You know, it costs a lot, a lot of money for the team to run. You probably upwards of a million and a half quid to run two bikes for the year. And they sign two riders that they want. Obviously, only one can win the championship. So all this time, effort, you know, all the, all the hours put into it by the mechanics, of course, they want you to win. So yeah. you understand there is pressure, if you want to call it, because they're paying you to perform. But the, the minute you start to take that inside, and feel pressurized that's the wrong type of pressure yeah you know big time and obviously you've raced against incredible people could you pinpoint one or a few who you would say have been the best that you've read against um probably best british shooter rider i've ever read against was again very fortunate to have him as a teammate in my early days was shaky burn so he's the most successful british shooter rider ever world shooter bike rider moto gp rider um, absolute consummate professional, uh, ruthless, but could get away with, ruthless in like just about the right way, shrewd financially, um, phenomenal on track. You know, evergreen just stayed young, stayed healthy. You know, he only retired due to a really bad injury, he had a bad neck neck fracture, um, which you know he's okay. He works for Eurosport now, but it, it ended his racing career. Um, he, he he was someone that I model myself on a lot still. And uh, again, he comes into my pit box regularly when he's there working and words of advice, what he sees out on track. So yeah, absolutely. Um, at road racing, you know, I've been lucky to race against, you know, the Alistair Seeley, he's got the most wins there. Um, the Dunlops, um, you know, the loads of the local heroes and, you know, Bruce Ansey, a New Zealand guy who's like, you know, real hero and loads of people like that. But uh, for me, Shaky Burn um, was just uh, incredible yeah. in all aspects. And what was the first motorbike you owned? 
Uh, well, first one I had, Santa brought, so do you own some Santa brings? You know, so mm, parents probably try to claim yeah. it. <laughs> um, it was a little uh, PW50 uh, Yamaha, and most people start on them. Uh, you can still, they're, they're the best, they're like bulletproof. Oh, yeah. You could buy one and never change oil. It probably run out of oil and it would still do a thousand miles. <laughs> so uh, my son has one as well now. Um, first bike I owned um, as someone older now, like, uh, what have I ever had to buy myself? I bought like uh, an Ovalley, which is like a mini version of what we raced that you can go nuts corner on. Yeah. A brand new one I bought last year and it's still in the workshop, the people that brought it home from England. So yeah, that's, that's up for sale. Um, out of interest, are you allowed to ride bikes off the track or is that... <laughs> it's a good question. So uh, I have my road license for commuting um, and Honda put me through that. Uh, obviously a large part of that is it's good PR for them. Yeah. At the time, me and my younger brother, Andrew, were both riding for Factory Honda. Um, really nice to go and get it, apart from oh, the day we done our test. It was torrential. I was like vibrating with coldness. Yeah. It was it was dreadful. So I've been out maybe two runs out from when I came home. Uh, my good friend and uh, the guy, William McCousin, who owns Phonocab, yeah. he sponsors, so well, you see it, so many sports. The guy is a legend and he puts a lot into our sport. So I went out for a ride with him and we were sensible, but you're still obviously, if anything, like I'm not a fan of riding yeah. when I'm not racing. And yeah. then it goes against everything. Do you, you find it hard to go at the speed limit? And yeah, stuff? but like what do you think from three years of age that it's been how quick can you go? Yeah. And then it's like, don't go quick. It's so unnatural. So uh, for a racer, you would be surprised out of the grid how many people don't have a road license. Really? There's a, a lot, a lot of us don't. <laughs> I have one, but I don't intend using it too much maybe even a bit older I'm still I didn't introduce myself as being mad earlier didn't I so yeah. you know, have to win yeah. it all up <laughs> yeah big time and obviously you, you speak fondly about your family your kids and I always see lo lovely videos and photos of you and things like that so how do you find that balancing the, the, the career and the family life it's uh, it's good um, probably due to the fact that you know I have a great great partner at home Laura um, can't call her my wife yet cause she's not my wife but I'll have to get I'll get that job sorted He's out working soon. on it yeah working on it cause <laughs> trying to find the balls you know you, 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 you think about your persuasion tactics yeah how did you do tips for me I actually <laughs> funny story I've never cried before in my life and I'm always someone that has a way with words and I just <laughs> burst out crying and Lauren was like what's wrong with you but yeah so don't do what I did well I would cry because I get like I get so emotional like uh, you know things like family and that there's so yeah. much love and I get really proud of them and that and like I, yeah, I would have this great plan I'm going to do it like you know you think all the stupid stuff you're going to hire a helicopter and I'll get someone yeah. to fly out of here and I'll go excuse my language she's, yeah. like, she's a really normal girl like no we're not doing any of that and then yeah. I'll get down in one knee and I'll yeah she'll, Start she'll see so yeah, yeah no, I, I'm so like I really am grateful for what I have at home and um, my kids are amazing two little girls uh, there Jay will be two in October Phoebe will be one in November it's only 13 months between them nice. so that's pretty busy and Freddie's just turned seven he's uh, our first and my, my son so he came to the last race uh, at the weekend there and um, my my near said my granddad, my dad brought him over, um, which was nice because I could focus on my thing. They were about the motorhome a bit, but they also knew, like, gave space. Laura went to the like, Galgorn for two days. Laura's sister took the two girls. So that's important as well because I know when I'm left with the kids for like an hour and she's getting her nails or her eyes or whatever, they all get done. And I, 
it's like, oh, well, you know, the home. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting there with three, but yeah. it's amazing. Like we, I've seen you before. We just came back from Tenerife, and you know, we are going again. It's like two and a half weeks after our last away, three weeks. But do you know what? The kids are young. They love it. The photographs when I look through my phone, like sitting on the plane, you get bored, and you know, just seeing their smiles around the pool. So yeah, the, they're a big reason why I put so much into it. Yeah. Um, it is a career that. It allows me to do the school run and stuff, which is really good because I can do the school run in the morning, go training, do what I need to do and pick Freddie up from school again and drop Gia to her childminder. So it's, I'm very present. I'm not out nine to five. There is a lot of days where I am away, but I couldn't wish for, like this career is just amazing for yeah. every aspect of our life. It, it just works. But again, yeah. I can do it with Laura, like I really can. Big time. And how does Laura feel about what you do? Is she like, how long is together? Oh, uh, 2014, like December, I think we met. So nearly nine, been nine she's years. She's been around it for a long yeah, time. Yeah. Now. She, she, she loves the racing. You know, uh, she's very into it. Like at the Galgorm, I think she was trying to book her massage around uh, what time my races were on. And yeah. I think she was sitting in some silent room after it. We get a little drink of tea <laughs> and she's like got Eurosport on silent on the Discovery app and stuff. Yeah. So she's really, really into it. Uh, the road racing side, um, you know, yeah, they have obviously obvious uh they trust me but uh it's hard for family when you're road racing because we know the dangers of road racing you know i'm sure she would love it if i said i was never doing a road race again um i like a northwest or other events have done the Isle of Man tt which won't go back to and also the Mackay gp so that's hard for them because you know they're the father of her kids her partner is out doing something that you like to fast forward and know the race is over um, but in terms of everything else, she's so supportive. You know, she it does get hard for her. Like I, I know at times I'm like oh, I need to get up in the middle of the night when the baby's crying. But like I need to also. It's like yeah. it's you know the it's not awkward conversation. But like I'm training tomorrow. I'm racing this weekend. Like I really need my sleep. It's so 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 important. And like I would love to be up all night with the baby and say you don't do it. But then like I'll be useless the next day and. These are the hard yards and that's where sacrifice comes into it. And thankfully she understands, there's only so much understanding of that because when people are tired, it's hard on them and yeah. she will get tired, but she understands, uh, she makes it happen. And I try to give as much back, you know, if it's, it is only July and we're going on our third holiday this yeah. year and we have Iceland booked for the end of the year. So it's certainly not all lavish, but I try to, you know. It's providing in a different way. And I think like as a man often like, you know that old school thing where you're it is old school yeah, it is old school but i think i think it's okay and and it works and i think like you said there as well you're someone that's that's learned all these important factors to build relationships and that's probably from having a lot of coaches over the years and one big thing that i talk about is like your ability to communicate and i always talk to our clients about communicating the why behind everything that you do so yeah. often like it's like people listen to this will be like into their fitness and wanting to do certain things and often someone doing a fitness journey can almost bring out like insecurities in other people as well around them and it's their ability to actually communicate that it's different to your situation but i think it's just a communication thing for and sure explaining you're saying look i actually have a really big training session tomorrow and i'm gonna try and get a full night's sleep tonight can i because then i want to provide for our kids etc yeah do you know it's, it's that, that is exactly that and you know they're they're we're lucky there is that there's the mutual understanding it doesn't mean it's uh like 
Oh, it's easy for you, Laura, because I've told you, because bloody hell, see, when you, when you do have them for a few hours, oh, <laughs> oh my word, it's like, Intense, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. And then, like, my brain doesn't switch off from uh, racing as well, and, like, the phone's always going, and sponsors, and media, and everything else, but it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a life we've uh, choose, and it, it's not one, not one I would change. It. Yeah, it's like that gratitude thing, like, to that many people yeah. that I'd say get a media company that want an interview yeah, with them. So it's like, kind of that know, nice feeling like, oh, this, 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 this person wants me to interview, that's cool. Um, and injuries-wise, I, I don't know much about this, but have you had any serious injuries yeah, to date? Yeah, I've had uh, quite a lot. Um, weirdly, and I suppose uh, a good thing, not many where you make a mistake and be like, oh, I've crashed, I've crashed again, I've done X, Y, and Z. So my injuries have all... My first one was actually non-race related, so I did have a fractured skull from a car accident many years ago. It was quite serious back in 96. And then I went long time with no injuries. I broke my right ankle and kept breaking it, broke it twice racing, broke it playing charity football matches. Again, nothing major. And then the big stuff started to happen. So the first one was my handlebar actually snapped when I was racing, which is probably like, I don't know, it's like using your bar here and doing a weight and it like that should never snap yeah. and it just snaps so i broke my c4 vertebrae and um, broke and dislocated my shoulder which had to i had to have stabilization surgery didn't get it done for like three years and um, didn't want to miss time again like you had to be racing had to have a job couldn't afford to take not afford as in from a financial point of view but couldn't my career tra- trajectory yes. would it have been the right thing to not race would uh, would everything have still happened so I think it was right in doing what I'd done, but also broken dislocated my elbow. Um, that shoulder came out a few times before I got surgery. Then I had a massive one uh, last year. It was so bad. So I came into this corner. I was on a road bike in Spain, just doing some... Uh, I'd actually had the shoulder surgery at the end of 2021. And I went out to go through the motions. Um, strength wasn't where... Not where I wanted it to be. It was where it was at that stage. It was coming good. And uh, there was a problem, let's just say, where the bike didn't slow down at all. So I crashed about, I don't know, 140 odd mile an hour. And it's so weird. Like, you know, the speed that like people say, like, oh, do you see these? Can you see people at the side of the road? It's unbelievable. Like the, the potential of the human brain, I believe, is I don't even think we even know what we're capable of because you go into this, you're, what you would see is someone going... <laughs> through like gravel and then bang hitting like a wall or tire wall and what I felt was like still motion I'm like oh, I'm still okay I'm still okay then bang and then I woke up in like the Spanish medical place I was like whoa and I basically I had woke up at the track side I didn't know that my brother got to me and he thought I, he thought it was bad from a head injury point of view uh, how, how I was um, but I broke a T2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, all compressed, fractured. Um, that then, obviously, the shock of that, basically my spine done its job, my vertebrae done their job, it compressed, and I broke my pubic bone, so right down the center, uh, broke my sacrum, my right hip socket just had a small fracture in it. Um, my, what did I break? That hand, uh, that ski forward. Um, I feel like there was more. Oh, I split my helmet. So like I was concussed in the next week. That was huge. And you know, it was another crash that like should never have happened. And here I am injured again. Not like I'm not a per me character at yeah. all. Um it's not it's actually a, it's a 
type of trait that I really struggle Same. to be around, you know, when I'm around per me people. It's yeah. really, really frustrating. So apologies if you're per me, but do try to change it. Yeah. Um, so I'm lying there, I'm like, oh my God, like not again. So sign myself out, it's weird. Like the mentality, I went out of hospital the next day and I asked him for crutches because this knee, that's why I have a bit of scar in here. Mm-hmm. It was all like opened up and they'd stay out of it, but I couldn't walk. They had missed, see, they missed a lot of my injuries, like a lot of my injuries. So basically everything I've told you, they maybe only found like one injury. You know, it wasn't great. So I left the hospital and I was like, I can't walk to my dad's there in the car outside. So they wheeled me outside and helped me into the car. And I was like, how am I going to get about for a day or two? I was going back to the track because my brother and all was riding. Mm-hmm. So the circuit owner had a, a set of crutches and he gave me them and then I used them to get home. And the medical team that we work with at Honda are really, really good. It's uh, like, you'll see all your Premier League footballers in and out of the clinics mm-hmm. and whatever else, the top level boxers. And I went there and that was like when I realized the extent of the injuries. It made sense why I couldn't really move. Mm-hmm. Um, but six weeks later, I won the, it's the first British Superbike round of the year and I won all three races. No way. So it's, yeah. And I wasn't really fit physically. I'd missed a lot of training, but I knew my and bike was, that, was good. Was that your first race following the injury? Yeah. And how did it feel getting back on the bike? Oh, I love it. The same it. as yeah, before. Yeah, as always, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's never any, there's no fear. Yeah. There, that, there's, there's no, so yeah, when you go road racing and stuff, you understand what can happen. And when you're in a race that's really wet, you know it's easier to crash. But there's no, like, it, there is respect for what can happen. But I don't carry fear. Yeah, and it's your it's your thing. It's your sport. Yeah. It's like it's someone going out and fighting. Rugby do, match doesn't feel. No, that's what you do. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And obviously, you know that there's never been an individual success story. So how important is team for you and the team behind you? Absolutely, mate. It's it's everything. So my team starts now. You know, as uh, you get more experience, you you know, once upon a time, I was Glenn who read for a team, and now my team is. My family is a big nucleus of it. Um, and then my best friend, uh, fellow Michael West, Westy as he gets known as, or people in England call him Wesley, because I introduced him as Westy and they just hear Wesley. <laughs> and so now I, like, when they say Wesley, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Wesley, you know, because yeah. it's not a name, you know, it's another yeah. name, isn't it? So yeah. absolutely torture him for that. But he's, uh, you know, so important to me, as in we've all grown up in life, we've done good things, we've done things we shouldn't have done. and. He's experienced that and he's uh, on a great sort of journey. Like I, I see myself on a journey. We practice gratitude uh, quite often together. We'll do some breath works and stuff. And it would be like, uh, I remember texting before I'm in the airport, I had a great test. Should I have a, a gin or a beer? And he said, I'd have a water. And so many of your mates, like if you can find a mate that would say that. So I then bring him to every race. Um, he helps when guests arrive to go with, passes the energy drinks are always made my caffeine uh, chewing gum sitting there my taurine tablets sitting before the session my airpods everything's ready the motorhome's always tidy i have no no concerns and it's a really good uh friendship group to have back at home so you have that then you've all the obviously electronic engineers the crew chief you know who you met at old park yeah actually really really lucky to have a uh, riding for an English team with Italians. My crew chief is from Northern Ireland and it's nice to have that wee bit of, cause we traveled together then. 
some extra time to look at uh, data, etc., on the on the laptop on the plane. So, yeah, there's uh, all the tire technicians and mechanics, the team boss and management, the hospitality staff. You know, I had a bit of an argument with the the chef the other week because. If I say I'm coming a bit like today, I'm 9.30 for breakfast, mate, or whatever, and then I turn up at 9.40. Um, you know, and it's not that you're not deliberately being late. I've maybe slept in and my breath works. I always yeah. do breath work in the morning and it's uh, maybe ran on. And I was like, look, mate, I don't want to get angry with you because you got a bit thick, but like we win and lose together. Like you are part of my team. And that's, yeah. that is how I see it. It is everyone. And you've yeah. got, you got, the sooner you realize that, the better, because then you just will grow. And how do you create the, the right support network? Um, well, I learned a lot of Jonathan Ray before. We uh, went to Spain um, motocross in pre-season about five, six years ago, and uh, it was his 30th birthday at the time. His crew chief had ordered or arranged a dinner in at his house in Spain. It was near where our base was for the training camp. So Jonathan brought a couple of us along and see seeing how he was with his mechanics, his technician, like all, all his, like I uh, say, technical staff around him I was like oh my god the bond they have yeah. so like I remember taking that and trying to like arrange dinners or go go-karting you know just you gotta like they you gotta have each other's back they were, I seen what I seen that day was they would never throw him under the bus and yeah. I have read for teams before where they would throw you under the bus but is that their fault or is it my fault yeah because I am the you're the writer so you're the person yeah there's a team manager that delegates but your your attitude will determine everything yeah. around you, and it's your ability to lead from the front as well. Yeah. Like because when you're in a team, communication, like you yeah. already said, is so important. Yeah, like you, you need to you can lead by actions, but also you need to lead by what you say and how you operate. And I think if you're not in a good space, then your team's not going to be in a good space because you're not leading from the front, or you're not doing the do or doing the necessary stuff that that you need to do, which which is huge. So obviously you race against your brother. How does that feel racing against someone that you've grew up with and you're so close to? Do you know what? It's, uh, it's class. And again, it's class from the moment you leave the house on a Thursday morning because uh, it's like, right, Andy, I'll get you half six, you know, and then you get to the airport and there's a couple other people always with us and get your Starbucks. And you, we do everything together other than, like, we, we race together, but at that point, we race as individuals, yeah. but together because we're in the same race. Um, I have been his teammate before at Honda, um, which was absolutely amazing. Like uh, we both won a good bunch of races, and yeah, it's uh, how would you describe it? So there's no more motivation than like everyone wants to beat their brother. Yeah, of course, of course they do. You know they always say the biggest rule in racing is beat your teammate, but beating your brother, it, it's a different way. So like, if I don't win the race, I am so happy for Andrew to win the race. And when Andrew has passed me, as he has done before, last lap, last corner, so like you're nearly actually counting your bonus money, and then mm-hmm. you know, you're three seconds later, you've wiped a few grand off it. You know, it's because your yeah. dollars pass you. Like, yeah. you don't even begrudge it. Whereas if that was anyone else, you'd be like, ah! So I'm always so happy to see him have success. Uh, we've helped each other out so much in the past. When I went through my tough time in 19, I would have confided in him a lot. So me and Andrew are really, really, really close. He's actually going through a bit of a tougher one at the minute. He's a double fracture of his humerus. Um, seems to have got away with the nerve damage, radial yeah. nerve wraps yeah. around there. So his career uh, will continue. It uh, will be next year. You know, he won't race again this season. So yeah, now I'm there for him. He's coming to the races still and he's out watching me. Um, 
you know, giving me yeah. tips. But it is amazing. It's like you pass people and you pass them hard and aggressive. Me and Andrew still pass each other hard, but you take a bit of like people will narrow the track on other people. Like yeah. it's not dangerous but dirty. Yeah. But sometimes it's just what we do. But with Andrew, I would never do it to him, and he wouldn't do it to me. But we certainly will also pass each other bloody hard, and it's, it's you know it's it's amazing. It's amazing for everyone. You think I must think my my mum and dad. Uh, Two thousand twenty, our first race is Honda teammates, brand new bike. It was late arriving. We're in the scooter bike class. Half the parts haven't even arrived. It's pretty much like half a road bike, and we uh, went one two one two in race one, race two, and two three in race three. It was the first ever podium of two brothers in professional scooter bike uh, racing, and we've done it wow. multiple times, like one twos. And we've since then done it. You know, the last round last year, we were one two as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And I suppose moving on to your pre race routine. So obviously, you're into your health, your performance, all the, the little 1% margins, I call them, to, to get you to the, to the podium. Starting from the night before a race, what happens right through? You don't need to give away all your secrets, but whatever. Uh, yeah, so um might be dinner we're going for, not lunch then if I start telling you it all. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, so yeah, evening before a race, no no uh, no qualms at sharing it because weird and wacky, some before people won't be for people. Uh, in my motorhome they always come to mind. So there'd be me and Wesley as I've already mentioned. There'd be my brother Andrew, there'd be Nicky Coates, who's also a good friend, races, uh, he's back racing after a long time out, so not professionally, but racing in the in the paddock in a different series. So us four will sit back and we will do, we'll start off with uh, some deep breaths, you know, your belly, your ribs, yeah. your chest, you know, some weird and wacky movements. Um, we'll do a lot of that and then we'll finish with uh, like a manifestation guided yeah. breath work with breath holds you know up to two and a half minutes and then there's stillness so it will take like an hour and ten um we uh do some other supplement type stuff uh you know before that as well that helps from a relaxing point of view again totally legal uh, i wouldn't share it because i do think it gives it's uh it's definitely good, a good yeah. advantage yeah very good um and we that we actually always have an intention so before we do it you know we'll do that and then we'll do our little supplement we'll sharing intention so you know if you're daily manifesting and stuff you can have a long-term goal you're sort of striving towards you know you're raising your vibration to match that whatever you how you look at it and in the weekend we sort of focus on the next day so my preparation for the next day starts that night I, i might ask to bring more clarity or calmness or be more at one with the bike to give better feedback and it's incredible you go to bed so relaxed you when that's over it's like crawling into bed you and know, you we, sleep straight yeah away. we take a melatonin just before the last part yeah. of it so the last sort of 25 minutes um i I actually act like a shaman in the middle of this because yeah. we go to a guy over here where we learned a lot of this yeah. uh you gotta actually check him out i know he probably hasn't paid for an advertising for us but no. ryan at inner evolution he, he yeah. changed my mindset Unreal. that like that guy and his treatments for sure changed my life and people met went oh his, his life was already meant i'm telling you that what is between these two years he changed so much and i yeah. couldn't recommend him higher so like i basically i certainly don't look like him i don't have hair down to here i don't have tattoos yeah, over yeah. but uh like i act like the shaman so like <laughs> if you're doing stuff with him he'll offer something 
So I'm like, I'm just going to offer a wee melatonin to everyone. And I, I get sued. Tate and the boys all know it. They're like, Green, you're so good at it. But like, I play to it as well because you got to have humour in there. So that that starts, wake up. Uh, and we do, the next morning, we'll do an energising breath work. It's simple, 15 minutes of fast breathing. You know, and they really, the what's more interesting, I guess, for the viewers, so what do I do before I get on the bike? Uh, we have our performance coach. Uh, we share them with uh, some of the F1 drivers. Um, so it's they're, they're good quality yeah. people. And they really, yeah, there's some squats or some lunges, you know, five slow, five explosive on every exercise, uh, you know, band work with your core, slow back in to engage this. There's some pressing, there's some low rows. And then the the fun stuff in my eyes, I always can't wait to get the glasses on that yeah. they basically blink. So it's like sitting doing that there, but uh, your eyes aren't blinking, the glasses are literally blink, oh, blink, right. blink. So you throw tennis balls at me, but perception is, oh, it's horrific with them, but it's getting better and better. So like you catch them, then you'll turn me around and I'll like be looking at this wall. Yeah. And I can't see you throwing them, and bear in mind, I can barely see the wall because there's that much flickering. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Like at the weekend on Sunday, I didn't drop on, and he'll make it hit the wall and drop short. So you, it's very hard to tell one that he hasn't threw it hard, and then you finish on the like the pods, and they measure your reaction times and fill in a certain color with three different colors. So their theory on that is, is it so many minutes of that gives up to 90 minutes of, you know, proven faster reactions, so. Yeah, because you see the, the tennis players before Wimbledon recently, and we tried it at home, and I literally couldn't do any of it. So, like, they literally are here, they're holding a ball, like a tennis ball, their hands are above it, and as soon as they drop the ball either side, you have to catch it. But they're literally, like, I caught, 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 and then me and Lauren were sitting down, and I didn't catch one. Can't catch I was like, that looks easy, I'll be able to do that. They so that's one where they drop their own ball yes it, no yeah. so like no. someone's here with with the ball yeah. and their hands are above the person oh, with the ball's yeah, hands yeah. and you have to get they only drop one ball and you have to catch it so they could drop it either side yeah. no it's it's interesting it's so important that like you think you're they're playing tennis the speed the ball's moving we're sitting on the start line like the start is so important in a race and the red light was like yeah. we have to react to that reaction time. we have to react to the clutch but that calmness and clarity I spoke about you can't just go Bah, go yeah. like that has to move like that's to be controlled yeah. but the go has to be so you're trying to go because the lights are out but you can't be aggressive with the clutch movement yeah. the brain is doing so much and, and people would just think like for you it's just get on a bike and ride but there's so much more to it oh man it's, it's unbelievable yeah. yeah it's mad and on the mindset stuff you're obviously really passionate about it is there ever been you spoke about the other guy that helped you with your mindset and stuff so is there like a key lesson or one thing that you could pinpoint that other people could benefit from or anything that you live by every single day um, I honestly think journaling is really Big key like there's loads of I could rhyme off phrases and different things like that but think the things that have made a big difference for me is take take time out take 10 even if it is just 10 minutes like YouTube is full of great con content do a guided breath work do some manifestation stuff like don't be some people are afraid to dream I think some people yeah. are afraid to like believe that a lot of people maybe don't feel they deserve you know, like, why would I deserve this life, etc. Yeah. yeah, like, that's like, that's a really good phrase because so many times in my meditation, I'll talk about, you know, tomorrow there will be no limit in beliefs. Yeah. You know, no limit in factors. Because as soon as you think limit in belief and factors, like, you may as well just handcuff yourself. 
Yeah. So that I really, I actually really like what you said because it is something I say a lot. So no limiting beliefs, no limiting factors, no limiting thoughts. Um, take ten minutes, like visualize. If you can, if you can close your eyes and whether it be that you want to live in a bigger house, if that's what you want so much, write down that you have that house. Yeah. Put yourself ten years down the line. Put yourself somewhere in the future that someone else will look at and go, but he doesn't have that. But yeah. you know it's coming. So if you write it down, like you can't not but attract it. If you can, what is it? If you can combine thought and feel, you cannot but attract. Yeah. So like, yeah, you can think I want that, but start to close your eyes, feel it. Picture like they they would say like the guys like I work with. Picture going into that house, opening the fridge, and nearly feeling a cold drink yeah and they always do say that like, type of stuff they always it. say like last thing before you go to sleep first thing that you do in, in the morning yeah. and it's just constant and then you're aligning all of your actions with someone that has that yeah. you know and everything and it, vibrates this yeah. will sound really really like weird where's glenn gonna go now because glenn can go <laughs> off and things but everything in life vibrates so like a really simple thing like there's low vibration high vibration so we all want high vibration so low vibration, say like food, say you eat a McDonald's, you feel terrible. Yeah. It's just low vibration, whereas high vibration is stuff that grows in the sun. Like you never eat a salad and feel bad. But also like your dreams and the good things in life, they're like vibrating there. So if you're like here, you can't attract them. So you gotta, that's why this manifesting, you gotta picture and feel like you already have it to vibrate on a par with them. Yeah. and then they'll come to you so and it's like it's quite cool like even all this stuff in the journal and stuff like I'm so passionate about it I, now but five years ago uh, I was I like oh that's you wishy washy I, yeah. I never would have thought I was yeah. doing this no that's way right. but like journaling's completely changed my life a journal every single morning every single night yeah. and the, the, the realisation I had is like your mind doesn't know the difference between what's true and what's not but when you put it down on paper you're actually it's writing it down and it also helps me sleep better because if I've got something in my mind and I'm like oh I need to do X, Y and Z tomorrow but I'm going to put it all down on paper for yeah. the next day it's all there you ask yourself the right questions questions are the steering wheel of the mind the, the reason people go through challenge or, or struggle is because they're not asking themselves the right questions whereas if you can encourage and questions are the steering wheel of the mind so if you're before a race and you ask yourself the wrong question and you give the wrong answer then you're going to struggle whereas if you you steer your mind in the direction you want it to go it's it's going to change the game so like that's that's it's true like don't be afraid to like in your journaling like gratitude you can, there's there's journaling like manifesting there's also i think i combine mine I talk about, you know, again, what others may look and go, but he doesn't have that. I do that, but I also write about, you know, so so grateful, grateful for an abundance of gratitude for what I have at home, you know, my family, allowing yeah. me to do X, Y, and Z. And don't be afraid to do that. It's so, so simple and it's so powerful. Um, yeah. Wake up in the morning and just think, just train yourself that it will start to happen naturally. What am I grateful for? Yeah. So instead of waking up going, I don't I have, to do I this. Don't have, yeah. I don't have. Say if you keep thinking, I don't have, you will attract more, I don't have thoughts. Yeah. So if you think, I do have, you'll attract more, I do have. Yeah, because what yeah. you focus on grows. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. like, you know, another one, say financially, if someone like, no matter how well you're doing, ah, yeah, if I had that, I could buy that. You know, like you're putting that you don't have enough. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you be like nearly like, whoa, even if it's 10 pounds, you just, just yeah. tr like trick train your mind I I have so much I can do yeah. it I can buy that I can you will attract more I can buys 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's and so, we live so in a world of, of not enough. So like everyone's like, oh, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I, I don't have enough money. And it's like, <laughs> but you do. You yeah, do. you can. You can do it all here. Yeah. You do. Literally, no. I love that. I love that. I think that's huge. And I think so many people can take some valuable lessons. So obviously, percentage of becoming a professional footballer is very low. Is it even lower in motorbikes? Because there's obviously less opportunity because there's only one rider that gets to. Yeah, it must be because you know there's British superbike uh, classes. The, there's one there's another class beneath us where there's maybe maybe one two maximum paid yeah. riders uh, superbike is there's probably ten good jobs in it um, maybe half a dozen ticking over ones you know yeah. as such and the rest of the guys will be bringing some budget to a team but then going to world superbike you know the percentages in each there's not every grid and is making every rider is making a, a fortune or whatever um, so you're probably on a somewhere like that's really open the way up and say 200 riders really yeah. wouldn't be um, that many so how many footballers is there it's definitely and also there's so many different levels that you can achieve success yeah. in football as in you can play in the Irish League here and do incredibly well yeah, but you unless can, you're yeah. I suppose at the British maybe you're not necessarily yeah you're not gonna like there's no career if you're racing motorbikes over here unfortunately it's gonna cost yeah. you I don't know, whatever, 20, 30 grand a year. And it's self-funded too, and I think that's the mad thing because football, you can get a pair of football boots which are 20 quid, but the cheapest bike is going to be, you know. Uh, Yeah, like it's thousands, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, you know, for sure, is it hard to to make a living then? It really is, you know. I've went through the, my earlier career, you know, um, I read at home, so, you know, you spent your money, and it was like lad and dad, you went Mm -hmm. racing. Went yeah. to England, I uh, got a really good opportunity my first year. Like, to be honest, the guy, the team owner, only took £5,000 off us, and you're like, that's, that's so cheap. All the other rides are like 35 Yeah, of course. Now, we they folded after six rounds. <laughs> but then, <laughs> you know, enough. again, another another team picked me up. Uh, a fella, Dwayne McCracken, uh, reputable, uh, you know, reputation. You know, some people say good about him, some people yeah. say bad about him. He never done me any harm at all. I, you know, he, he he gave me an opportunity. He managed a team that was uh, very well funded by a company who exported loads of JCBs, and I actually ended up living with them people, which was class because yeah, normal upbringing and suddenly living yeah, in the middle of the house and all the car yeah. like they had everything. It was awesome, and they uh, they got me going till the end of the, the end of that year, twenty twelve. You know, that was a dear year. My personal sponsors funded that you're probably talking close to a hundred thousand pound 13 was probably sixty thousand pound you know having to bring to teams and 14 was like 30 and then 15 was nothing yeah six so you're you're making off your spot you're making a wage that way like from being self-employed 16 was my first professional contract and uh yeah it that them years were hard there were so many years like i say i come from a normal background you're like how are we going to pay for this like there is the so my parents remortgage their houses. Yeah, really, yeah. They really do. And honestly, I have been so, so, so grateful. Um, I am so grateful to all the sponsors behind me because, like, I couldn't have done it without them. I don't know what would have happened. Like, I always say to people, never worry if you've raised 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever it is. And you're going, but I don't have, you even have 10. I'm like, don't worry about it because I don't know how it worked for me. But at the end of the year, somehow it was paid. I don't know how, but it was paid. Well, yeah, sponsors and fundraisers, and it just yeah. it just happens. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's crazy. tough journey. But that's what I'm saying. Like, 
you know, anyone can get started in football. And I suppose anyone can get started in motorbikes, but it's just trying to trying to make it work it, it is it's tough but then I guess football is tough too yeah there's a lot more opportunities loads more jobs out there but also loads more people grassroots yeah. so the percentage you know what all in all it probably there's a lot less kids race motorbikes so yeah. it's probably because I don't want to say ours is harder than footballers or few friends it's anyone who I think the way to summarise it the it looks like we lead this amazing life and for sure times we certainly do but the struggles that any professional sports person have had from the day they started maybe from the moment they thought i want to do it as a career it does not come easy yeah. listen to any of the podcasts listen to you know listen to michael jordan on youtube you know he wasn't the tallest he wasn't the fastest he didn't have the best he says it all yeah. But he just worked at everything, and he became, he's probably the most famous sports person of all time. Yeah. What do you call that Netflix show that he did? Uh, it's Jordan, is it just called? It's something like that. Yeah. I was watching it, and essentially what he did, this was like a mindset thing that he did, but he used to sit, like make up stories. So this proves the thing that your mind doesn't know the difference between what's true and what's not, because he would train himself into thinking that, you know, say his opponent has blanked him as, for an autograph as a kid and stuff. And then he would get himself really wound up before he get, went into a game. And then he would perform better because he was going against someone that blanked him for an autograph, but even though they didn't. So this wasn't even true, but he had made But he this, thought it over that yeah. often, it became true, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. With your, your kids and stuff, like, are you encouraging them into the sport or what are you thinking? Um, so like with, with my own kids, uh, like Freddie has a motocross bike. He also has a little uh, like mini version of what we do, um, very grassroots level. Uh, Nuts Corner, we go there sometimes. Like he's maybe been there five times this year. What we're near the end of July. Mm -hmm. um, he's read his motocross bike two or three. So oh. I'm certainly not a motocross dad that has him out uh, three, four times a week. Um, the other kids have probably gone out on their bikes. You know, I don't know a hundred times this year, and I, that's that's not me. So he but does. Do you think it's in the blood, as in the natural talent? I see complete natural talent in him. He also does gymnastics, he does football, he does trampoline, he does, what else does he do? Ah, tennis, you know, we've left it, but right. now after going on holiday in tennis courts at the hotel, he now wants to go back to tennis. So he he's, uh, like as a dad, I think the best thing you can do, because I've seen so many people ruin talent. I've seen so many parents be, we refer to them as motocross dads, maybe living <laughs> the dream through the, the sun. Yeah. You can't take the enjoyment out of it. So if my son, he will find his own path in life and what he decides he wants to do, of course I'll support him. Like you'll, you, you would give, you know, you would give your last whatever, you give your right mm -hmm. arm for him to succeed in anything. So yeah, I'll always support him. I'll give him opportunity, but like, will I be like, Freddie, you must ride bikes? No, but he is talented um, and he's getting more and more into it. He came at the weekend there and he really wants to come to my next race and he also wants to do his first little grass track motocross wow. race this year. He hasn't even raced yet. So yeah, like with him, I'm really chilled. But then I also sponsor a lot of young kids. So again, just touch, I touched on sponsorship. You know, it's been so important to me. And, you know, it's I still have many of my sponsors there. And that now helps me in a, in a different way, which is really good. Um, but like I seen, like I watched a YouTube thing on, was it Christmas morning or the morning? Boxing Day, we're just lazing about yeah, the house, and it was kids racing at home locally at Nuts Corner, and one of them, one was like a dad who was really forceful, and 
you're like, oh, you wouldn't even get involved. Yeah. Like you would not get involved. No. And you don't, you're unfortunately the kids being judged by the father. And yeah. this is where they ruin opportunities. And then there's another one. It was Paul Robinson. He is a cousin of like the Dunlops. Um, his dad was in like the Armoy Armada, which is where the Dunlop thing yeah. back all started out. And his wee lad was riding and Paul's standing at the track saying nothing, no like roaring at him. And I was like, that's someone who knows. And the wee lad came across really well. So I just, there was a few text messages. Uh, say anyone have Paul Robinson's number, that type of thing. And I rang him up and, you know, gave him a few bob. There's another, wow. another wee kid in England. He, I have a scar, as I mentioned, a uh, head injury from 1996, ear to ear. And there's a kid who has supported me in the paddock, uh, Harry Payne. You know, he has like a very similar scar. And I've always just gave him time at racing. And then they're not from racing background at all, like the parents. And... Now he races and I pay for all his tires for the year Fast. and stuff. So it's nice to do it. So other kids get more of the, they cost me more yeah. than what my own do. But it's um, nice to give back. And yeah, also, it's like so you said, it's like that, that, you know, Freddie could be like, if he goes straight into it, he's almost instantly under pressure because yeah, of the, who sure. his dad is. So I'll give you an example of that. And it actually annoyed me. I went to Chippy. So Santa brought Freddie a bike, the Tarmac bike this year. And I'm probably... You know, between then and 1st of January, which was when the green light was on for training, it's like have kebabs, whatever you want to yeah, do, just being fat like. And went in the chip in, and uh, lady come up, and so, you know, the lady hears this, she's done nothing wrong at all, nothing wrong. Yeah. I was like, well, I believe your Freddy's going to be racing with us soon. She's involved in the club. And it was like, like, well, no, I haven't said that, you know, so someone's yeah. said Freddy's got a bike yeah. and, it's carried around and I can just imagine, you know, it's Glenn Irwin's son, if he goes racing, you know, he rocks up and we've done like a handful of days on a bike and then you've little Jimmy and he's out, he's missing school and all yeah. this and his dad thinks that's the right thing to do. But see being the fastest kid or the best footballer at the age of six, seven, eight, nine, ten, no, seen it so yeah. many times, you do you actually don't want to be that person, yeah, I think. So then he turns up and then Freddie gets beat and then their dads are spouting around and Sometimes I listen and go, do I even want to put him through yeah. that? But that's something that, yeah, you know, I, I'll have to probably overcome that a bit myself because it's about him and not about me. And I'll, I'll just have to listen it's to some dad spouting. It's kind of trying spouting, to detach you know? yourself from yeah, that. And, and his success isn't going to be defined by who you are or Correct. any of that. And also, yeah, like it, you don't want your external pressure. And there's probably loads yeah. of lessons in that as well. Because like, as a kid, like loads of limiting beliefs that we spoke about are instilled from that point in your life. 100%. So if you send him down to a race now and he doesn't do well and everyone's saying, oh, but you're Glenn Irwin's son, that could like instill little things in him. Without even He's already telling me, he's like, dad, I'm not as good as you as what you were when you were my age. And I'm like, Freddie, you're better than me. Yeah. I always tell him that, you know, and you know, it's very relaxed me and him, but like, you're better, son, because I want him to... Yeah, I want him to believe in himself. Yeah, yeah and we spoke about obviously your son and stuff. Let's roll back to when you were 18 and would you have one piece of advice knowing what you know now that you could give to, to that guy? Um, hmm, good, uh, good question. I've, a tough I've, probably, one. I've probably been asked this before as well and I've probably yeah. done the same. Like, what would I tell an 18-year-old version of me? Well, I suppose the best thing to do is the advice I often give to other people. Mm -hmm. So... I probably am I'm, I'm lucky that because I think a lot of it is luck because at 18 it's just luck whether you do the right thing or not but at 18 like I didn't drink or anything for a good period and then you grew up and started to have a yeah, drink and nearly actually then went too much the other way yeah. enjoyed myself too much so could have changed uh, 
you know, with Hulker not partied a bit, not afraid mm-hmm. of the Senate. Maybe would like like they took a wee bit of that out of my life at a point in my career where I maybe could have went on and done some maybe went to the world superbike level. But to an eighteen year old, I feel like I done it. Give it everything. Yeah. Always enjoy it. You have to enjoy it. See if you're not enjoying it, waste of time. Don't don't do it because you'll just like you're you're doing the wrong thing. Enjoy it and just give it everything. If you want to do it as a professional, which I did, so an eighteen year old version of me, put everything you have into it. Yeah. And by that it's not like every hour of the day. It's just do it right. Train hard. Eat right. It's preparation. You see all the famous sports people, all the people that have ever got anywhere, they worked hard. All the successful business people, I, I always take my advice. I've spoke to people that are in business and you talk to them and you can apply it to outside of sport. Just put everything into it. If you give it everything, it will happen. And giving it time as well. Yeah, like just let, the, yeah. let it happen. Let it happen. If you give it all, if you do all the right things, it will happen. Yeah, I love that. And that can apply to my next question as well. So that can be your answer if you want it to be. But you're big into your fitness. You're incredibly fit, incredibly healthy. You know, if someone uh, listening to this maybe wants to take their fitness journey to the next level or they want to improve their confidence in their own body or whatever, what advice would you give to that person? Um, don't be afraid to create a routine um, based around training, regardless yeah. of whether you are sitting in an office all day Whatever you're doing, training, I believe, in all honesty, is something that everyone should be doing. Now, I train to people will look at, he trains for his job. If I didn't race motorbikes, for sure I would train every bit as much. Yeah. Probably different because certain muscles, I would, I would maybe like to look a bit bigger or of something, course, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, don't be afraid to get a routine going. Like exercise, see for we touched on the mental health. See the feeling. Like I have it sometimes where you haven't maybe had a week off training um, for whatever reason, you know, commitments, etc., or an end of season, and I know I feel different. You know, yeah. like just just do it. Like commit to it. Uh, discipline. That's what I would say. So if someone wants to get fitter. Someone wants to get that. I would summarize it. Discipline. Discipline and commitment. Just commit to, you know, I I always say like ninety days. But I reckon it takes ninety days to break a habit. I know because of touch breathing and all other, other things. Yeah. So ninety days. Just give it ninety days. Commit till if it's someone like yourself, trainer, whatever it may be. If it's three three days a week, just do it, and then ask yourself after ninety days, do you feel better or not? And if you feel better you can you'll keep doing it and you yeah. will you know nobody ever is going to do something right for 90 days and then go oh, i felt better other way of course and you're never going to regret that say you've never regretted doing a training session no, and you also not, you, you hit the nail on the head like discipline over motivation discipline every is everything motivation yeah. is that's something that like well i'm self-motivated for real i don't need anyone to go ah go yeah, out and win. motivation is something that you need maybe to perform at a very, very, very high level. You actually don't need motivation in many, in some things in life. You need discipline. You know, some jobs won't require motivation. Yeah. And some people are happy. Not like, I think it's also important when we're talking about career. Like, yeah, man, I'm very motivated and I see man going, Bleh. but other people lead an equally content life. Like, nice flat line and that's what they want and there's yeah. also nothing wrong with that but to lead that you also need 
they also need discipline. They don't need a ton of motivation. They need discipline. Yeah. Discipline is very, very important. Motivation is a, a tool that can be even more helpful. Yeah, that's the thing. And you can't rely on motivation because it's going to come in peaks and troughs. You'll have a period of feeling motivated. It goes up and down. And it, it, goes, it depends what you have for dinner night. Before. Yeah. I had an Indian last night and I caught up this morning. My mouth was bone dry. So I, why I'm laying in bed, I festered for 20 minutes. Now I got up and done my training. Yeah. But motivation was different. Oh, yeah, of course. It wasn't, it wasn't there. I was disciplined and still done it. Yeah. But it, it Knocked, knocked on where I ended up uh, 20 minutes late for a year. And, and you, you, connect, you connected how you were going to feel after the session as opposed to how you were going to feel when for you sure. first started. I always have like a five minute rule. So I'm like, if I don't feel motivated, I'll go and start for five minutes and see how I feel. And if I can't be bothered after the five minutes, I'll leave. But yeah. I've never left after five minutes because you get your first exercise yeah, you're, then you're, in it. You're, you're loving it again. So yeah, I love that. And on the gym, like, do you have a favorite like training style or like, or even just like a, an exercise that you love doing? Uh, honestly, one that I couldn't do for years, I could do, and then I, and I used to do them with loads and you know weird variants was the pull-up bar. So back before shoulder injuries, yeah, I was wide gripping, I was rotating around the bar. Then shoulder injury came, couldn't do pull-ups. Stabilization surgery came, started to feel a bit better. Met the guy Ryan yes. that I talked about. Uh, we did some. We actually did that thing combo with him. Yeah. Have, you, have you heard about that? No. It's crazy. So it's it's really really like a hot topic now. It's like it's a sweat from like a frog and almond. This is this will sound bonkers. And anyone listening to this, like <laughs> trust me, I know it sounds bonkers, and I know it sounds so mockable. But I uh, I had the surgery done by a guy, Professor Leonard Funk, who's like the best in the UK. I've done loads of success. Like you're sitting there, you've Premier League goalkeepers yeah, yeah. and rugby jerseys and bike racers, memorabilia, everywhere around his office. But it felt so much better, but it still didn't feel amazing due to, and he told me why, it was full of arthritis. So this combo stuff, long story short, found a guy, like I wasn't looking at, certainly not looking uh, at all. <laughs> I met a guy and he was like, came across, he was, this guy's buzzing. Mm. I was like, what, what's, like, you're flying. He was like, oh, I remember my shoulder was wrecked from years ago. And like, he had a bit, he was a bit mad in the head. And every, I was like, what, like I, I want a bit of this. And he was like, oh, I've done this stuff combo. Honestly, man, like I go nearly, part of my routine, I try to go, you can't overdo it as such, but I go more than I need to. So yeah. I'd done it before a race. I had success, so I nearly try to go before every race. I have to tell myself I don't need to go every time. Yeah. It just unlocked all that like rigidness and clickiness and pain. And what, what, what is it like? Is it's, it like uh, a- so you, you will understand it. It's full of, so if we take out the frog and we take out the sweat and go, yeah. okay, you're getting something full of peptides. Yeah. Um, obviously, I described like a super protein type thing, yeah. really. I don't know if that's right or not. One of them can cross the blood-brain barrier in terms of pain and stuff. So, yeah, mate, it's, it's absolutely incredible mentally how it makes you feel as well. It's a, yeah, it's ceremonial, like touched on a bit. There's a, you'll go in intentions, you do a bit of breath cam and stuff, um, and you'll let go in it. So I'll go now and like the beginning, there was a lot of stuff to let go about, you know, previous past trauma, doing the wrong things, partying X, Y, and Z. And now it's like really refined. So nice. I go and I'm, Sometimes I've arrived, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know why I'm here today. Like, yeah. I, feel, I, feel, I feel amazing. Yeah. And then we end up working on, like, he done, so they put it, they actually burn your skin to right. create, like, a gate to put it on. So the last time I had it on my spine, it was done, like, in your energy chakras. Yeah. And that's to improve communication, which I feel good anyway, but I thought, well, why not? If I can communicate better with my team, my, my staff, and 
the, the feedback of the yeah. bike so yeah we got a bit off the subject of favourite uh, I don't know how favourite gym exercise ended up they putting a uh, no, frog that's, sweat that's on that's so butt. interesting yeah. and it, it, sound, it does sound like for someone that hasn't men- done it yeah mental, mental. Yeah. it sounds really like people watching this going not a chance we guarantee you nobody watching this will do that and go he was wrong yeah you were all actually reach out and thank me guarantee yeah. it but pull ups now so yeah love the pull up bar uh, pre-season started hanging like 22 and a half kilograms off me nice which was good seriously you know, good yeah, yeah so I was happy with that so I probably don't look really really strong but we're quite lean and wiry um, so done a lot of that then played golf got a bit of golfer's elbow so pull-ups were irritating a bit so we're in season now I don't need to be bulking or anything so um, I'm on the pull-up bar doing a lot of isometric or, uh, do you have to be a certain weight or anything for the you have to be as really simple be as strong as you can be for without being big so you want to be as light as you can be and as strong as you can be so what didn't work in the past was focusing on lightness like because you start to underate you start to get to eight o'clock at night and you can't even have a conversation with someone because you're we we all get uh, hungry you're hungry and angry and you can't like yeah it's that doesn't work so for me i can eat what i want i try to eat healthy but i can go out for dinner and stuff and enjoy myself put my hours in the gym what my weight is is what my weight is and uh, now I haven't even weighed I don't weigh myself anymore fitness test uh, yeah 72 or something like that yeah but I don't I don't even right, think. so it's not like because in go-karts I know like from Lauren's brother he has to like drive on to the scales and yeah so obviously that's we, that's not we have a minimum bike weight but there's not a combined rule in British Championship there's uh, no um, electronic aids so the bikes are handfuls there's yeah. no empty wheelie there's also tracks, so you, you came to Alton Park, it's like a, very undulations and hills yeah. and lots of wheelie and you need strength. I focused on being really, like for two two separate years, you know, it's like definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. So I done it once and had a bad year, a couple of years later, got really lean, cycle. I like cycling, but cycled my brains out and also yeah. didn't feel a lot for the cycling. Yeah. And I got really lean, felt super fit, so I thought, Again, I had a horrendous year, so I will I will never do that again. Yeah. If you ever see me looking, uh, I know I do look thin, but if I look weirdly thin, like slap me around the head yeah, or something, hit, hit me with like a dumbbell, like yeah. a thirty or something. <laughs> <laughs> so this question is a bit of fun. So you've got you've got two options. You have to ride your bike for four hours every single day for the rest of your life, or you can never ride your bike again. What would you do? Oh, four hours the rest of my life. I'd ride, yeah. I'd ride it for eight hours the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, like as in my motorbike? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'd, I'd ride it all day. Yeah, you'd have to it. Because I, I, sp- I asked like this oh, to Nal again, and it was like, play football for four hours, or never play football again. And he was kind of not sure what he was going to do. But oh my word, Ugh, flip, no way. Like I like sleep, I like eight hours. I need a bit of preparation. So an hour of prep, 15 hours every day, an yeah. hour of prep. You'd have to do it. Made 100% forever, yeah. for infinity, forever. That's mad. I, I, it shows I, I how it. much you love it. Like, I love it. Like. Yeah. It'd be hard on feel, feel bill, but it'd be, it'd be good. As long as someone was paying yeah, for it. Yeah, it'd be all right. Um, and then, yeah, I suppose, like, final question. Obviously, this podcast called The Unstoppable Podcast, and everyone has a different kind of meaning in their own head as to what that means to them but for you like what would you say unstoppable means to you being in the flow state of mind so when you're in the flow state everything just happens as in everything you want to happen like i can relate to race wins see when you're flowing you 
you know when you leave the motorhome. Yeah. I've you, you get it. I think the thing is working on getting that more often. And I look at Wesley and say, This is a win. Yeah. And he he knows how I even look at him. You know, it's not like I trying to create this is a this yeah. is a, trying to find a good feeling. Unstoppable flow state. And yeah. that 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 comes the more everything we've touched on this podcast, do all then we mindfulness, then we practices. Yeah, you'll be there's fine. there's yeah, you can be unstoppable. Yeah. Big time love that. And I really appreciate all the shares, mate. And no this has been an incredible podcast, an incredible insight into someone who is obviously unstoppable right now. He's absolutely flying. And I think that's the thing. Whenever you can take lessons from people like this and apply them to your own journey, like it can change everything. And that's what this podcast is about, is actually giving you the lessons from the people you want to hear from. So yeah. Thanks again, Glenn. Where we Appreciate for, it. Where are we going for lunch? We're going to, not the Indian, because you've had too much Indian recently. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, cheers. Thanks, Ross. Cheers. <laughs>